Morning. Uh, my name is Roger Lewis and uh, welcome to St Nick's today. Uh, as you came in you would have got a bulletin and this is, uh, tells us what we're doing today and you'll see there uh, we're looking at the Gospel of Mark or the, the book written by Mark and uh, we've been working through this book over the last several weeks and in fact this is the ninth episode uh, in the series. So uh, for those of you who've tuned in late, let me uh, just give you some background to what was covered in the previous episodes of this series. If you're listening online, uh, you can just press the skip button uh, if you want to go straight to where this begins. If you're listening here, I'm sorry, you'll have to sit through this. Anyway, previously in Mark. Well, uh, the book starts with these words. These are the first words from the book of Mark. The beginning of the good news about Jesus. So at the outset we find out what the book is about. It's, it's like almost a title or uh, here is the summary about what the book is going to unfold. It is about Jesus. He's the principal character. Uh, it's called the Gospel of Mark but it's really about Jesus. And it's about good news to do with Jesus. The beginning of the good news about Jesus. So that's the uh, overall theme you might say of this series. This is unfolded then in the rest of the book. And as we read through the first chapter, uh, we come across the first words that Jesus said. Jesus comes on the scene and he says this. Jesus says, The time has come. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. And that's Jesus' message in a nutshell. It's time. It's here. Stop what you're doing. Get on board, trust my message, trust me. So that's, that's a summary of, of Jesus and what he came to say and do. And then as the book unfolds in the first three chapters, we see evidence that the kingdom of God has come near in what Jesus does. So he goes around healing people. He heals them physically. He heals them spiritually. Uh, he teaches people. He's presented as a teacher and a healer. And he polarizes people. There are some who get on board with his message uh, and they, uh, they follow him. But there are others who do the opposite. Uh, they question him. Uh, they accuse him. They oppose him. They argue with him. They plot against him. And so, uh, so Jesus is, is uh, putting people, forcing them uh, into these opposite reactions. And then we come to chapter 4. And the communication, Jesus' teaching moves moves up a notch, we might say. He starts to communicate his content uh, using this method of telling stories. And if you were here last week, we've almost caught up to the episode we're up to, but if you were here last week, you would have remember Paul spoke about one of the most famous of these stories where Jesus talks about uh, a farmer uh, sowing seed on different types of ground. And so we're going to continue from there as Jesus tells uh, three more uh, stories like this to teach about the kingdom of God, or the kingdom of heaven. So before we get underway, let me, let me pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we pray that we would be receptive to your word today. We pray that your Holy Spirit will soften the soil of our hearts so that the word planted there will germinate and grow and bear fruit. This we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, well, so here we are. Uh, we're in chapter 4 of, of the book of Mark, 
and uh, verse 21. That's the uh, reference that's given here on the bulletin. So uh, we might see it on the screen or you might follow on in your Bible. Uh, and I'll actually jump into uh, chapter, uh, sorry, to verse 26 to begin with. So let's jump in sort of to the middle at verse 26 where Jesus said, uh, this is what the kingdom of God is like. So I mentioned a moment ago when Jesus first came on the scene, he said, the time has come, the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. The kingdom of God has come near. So now uh, he announced the kingdom in chapter 1. He's sort of demonstrated it in chapters 1 to 3. And now he's teaching about it. He's telling us what the kingdom of God is like. And he says the kingdom of God is like a man who scatters seed on the ground. So, uh, so this story we heard today, it's like a cut-down version of the story of the four soils. Uh, it's, I might say, the story of the soil's light or the abridged version. If you haven't got time for the whole story, uh, you can skip over the first three poor soils and just land at the last, the good soil. It's like um, what turning on the AFL in the last quarter. You don't have to watch all the other stuff, just see how it ends. So the key point in this story about, about the uh, growth here is that the growth that occurs happens without human effort. The, the farmer does very little. You see here in verse 26, the farmer scatters seed on the ground. And then in the next verse, verse 27, we see what happens, uh, that uh, night and day, whether the farmer sleeps or gets up, uh, the seed sprouts and grows. So he, he knows not how. And then in verse 28, just to continue the story along there, the soil produces the grain, the stalk, the head, the kernel at the head. And then in verse 29, uh, we get then uh, the man comes along, having slept through the whole growing season, perhaps uh, been down at the pub, we don't know, but he comes back and uh, harvests the seed. So the point of this story is that the growth takes place without human effort, without human intervention, you might say. Uh, and you might just remind you of something similar that's uh, written elsewhere in the Bible. The Apostle Paul, when he was writing to the church at Corinth, wrote these words. I, Paul, planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. So the kingdom of God, it's a growing kingdom. It's like a seed that's planted and it grows independent of human effort. And that's the point of this story. Uh, this, in the story, the farmer is only there at the beginning, if you like, with the seed and at the end with the harvest. Uh, and in between, uh, the growth has gone on. So those two endpoints, the seed and the, the harvest, if you like, lead us into the next story. And so if we look at verse 30, uh, we'll see another comparison or another metaphor, you might say, or analogy about what the kingdom of God is like. So Jesus says, what should we say the kingdom of God is like? And he goes on to answer that question in a moment. And he says, what parable shall we use to describe it? Now the word parable here is, you might say, a, a technical term to describe this way that Jesus is communicating through stories. Jesus tells a story that's very uh, easy to understand, a, a very uh, natural, homely story, you might say. And under that story, there's a, another level of meaning, or on top of that story, you might say, there's another level of meaning. And so there is a, a spiritual message alongside the surface story. And it's sometimes said that a parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning or an earthly story with a, a, a spiritual meaning. 
Well, the, um, the story we have here, if we look on uh, to the next verse, is about a small seed. It's a very small seed. And in the next verse, verse 32, it grows up and becomes a very large tree. Well, perhaps we are not so familiar with mustard seeds and mustard trees here. They were familiar to the people Jesus was speaking to. Um, we might say the proverb, from mighty, uh, from mighty oaks grow from little acorns. And in fact, uh, if you go down to Belmore Park, in the middle of Belmore Park, there is a mighty oak. And it grew from a little acorn. Uh, in fact, the tree was planted there by Lady Belmore herself on the 27th of May, 1869. Okay, that was a while ago. The tree's been there 154 years. So the first parable was about this process of growth without intervention. Lady Belmore's not around anymore, okay? She's not looking after the tree, uh, but it's growing. Uh, she planted the seed, and it's now an enormous tree. So the second parable is about starting from a tiny thing, an acorn, if you like. A mighty oak has resulted. This is what the kingdom of God is like. It starts like an acorn, and it ends up like an oak, or it starts like a mustard seed and ends up like a, mustard, a large mustard plant. And so the contrast here is between the uh, insignificant, seemingly insignificant starting point and the unmissable uh, end point uh, of, of the growth and development. So, you know, one thing leads to another. Uh, a few years ago, I met a girl, and now I have four grandsons. So, you know, the, these things happen. So, uh, and... If you think back to the first Bible reading of today, it was something similar from the book of Genesis. God said to Abraham, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and the sands on the seashore. So Abraham met Sarah. They had a son called Isaac, who was also mentioned in that Bible reading. He had a son called Jacob. Uh, so Jacob was the grandson of Abraham and Sarah. And so the family continued. And we read of the story of Jacob in Genesis chapter 32. He crossed the River Jordan carrying only his staff. So we might say he just had the shirt on his back, like he had nothing. And then sometime later he came back across the Jordan and it's reported he had 11 children, 220 goats, 220 sheep, 30 camels, 50 cattle and 30 donkeys. So that's some growth from one man carrying uh, a staff. And a few years later, we read more about Jacob's family. That they, In Genesis chapter 46, they went down to Egypt and uh, the members of Jacob's family which went to Egypt were 70 in all. So from one man uh, came 11 children, then 70 uh, who went down to Egypt. From one man, Abraham, came numerous descendants. And of course, the story goes on. Or we can look at um, starting uh, with Jesus, uh, with one person. And that start we're remembering in these coming weeks with Jesus being born in, in Bethlehem as a baby. So, uh, so when he grew up, uh, he called people to follow him, first Peter and then uh, Simon Peter and Andrew. So, so two from one to two to three, you might say. Then James and John, third and fourth disciples, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, five, six, seven, eight, James, Thaddeus, Simon, Judas, uh, a dozen followers uh, following this one man. And then in Luke chapter 10, as part of Jesus' ministry, he sent out 72 disciples. So the 12 had multiplied six times to 72 disciples. In Acts chapter 1, verse 15, we're told the believers numbered about 120. And then later in Acts chapter 2, about 3,000 were added to the number that day. And then in chapter 4, the number of men who believed grew to about 5,000. 
So it's just growing and growing from 1 to 12 to 72, 120, 3,000, 5,000. Now, according to the website Operation World, when I checked, checked, and I'm sure this information's out of date already, but the population of the world was listed there as being 8,045,311,447. So I'm sure that's out of date, but that's about how many people are in the world. And that website uh, goes through the different countries of the world and tries to calculate how many uh, profess professing Christians there are and it calculates a total of 32.3% of the current world population is Christian, and that amounts to 2,599 million Christians. So from the single seed of Christ, this one, this one man, there are now uh, 2.6 billion uh, people who are part of this uh, huge, uh, huge explosion, huge, huge family tree with many branches. So... Uh, so those are the, uh, the parables of the seed, the, the seed growing, and then uh, the, the small seed uh, becoming a, a, large, a large output, the small input leading to a large output. Let's go back now to the beginning of the passage, verse uh, 21, where uh, Jesus describes the public nature of the kingdom of God. And uh, he asks this question, this rhetorical question, you might say, do you bring a lamp to put it under a bowl or a bed? Uh, of course not. You put it on, on a lampstand. So uh, the good news of the kingdom is to be uh, put out there. It's to be told. It's to be, uh, it's to be let shine. It's to be proclaimed. It's not to be hushed up uh, or hidden. It's to be like the uh, light on Rocky Hill Memorial, you know, uh, shining out and you can see it from a long way off. Um, do you make a TV transmitter uh, to put it in a cave? No, you put it on the top of Mount Grey so that uh, the signal can be received by a large region. So this is what Jesus is saying. And in verse 22, uh, we read these words that what has been hidden uh, will be disclosed. Uh, things that have been concealed uh, will be brought into the open. Uh, and this applies to a lot of things. I don't know if you've been following the somewhat sordid case of um, Bruce Learman and Brittany Higgins. Uh, we've seen a lot of stuff come to light which might have thought to be uh, hidden. Uh, CCT camera uh, footage, uh, uh, secretly recorded conversations, lip reading and so on and so on. But this really is talking about the kingdom of God which might have been in some ways a secret or a mystery but it's now open for all to see. And in the next verse, in verse 23, we see though uh, this opportunity for people to hear and Jesus' invitation for people to hear because although the message is clear and the message is out there, not everyone hears it in the sense not everyone takes it in and acts upon it. I mentioned earlier that uh, some people, such as the fishermen we heard about, Peter, Andrew, James and John, they heard the words of Jesus and followed Jesus. Others, uh, for example, the teachers of the law, they heard the same message but they didn't get it, you might say. They didn't really hear it. They, they didn't act on it. It didn't uh, impact them in that way. And I've got to say, it's, it's the same today. Everyone here, listening here in church and listening online, you've heard the, the scripture read, uh, you've heard the words of Jesus, we've all heard the same words from the, from the same Bible, it's not as if you know, some of us have been told one thing and some the other, we've all heard it, uh, but according to what we heard last week, for some of it, it will stick, it will go into the soil, it will... Uh, yield a harvest, 
but for others, sadly, it might be snatched away or, or spring up briefly uh, or be choked. And so uh, we all hear these words. Uh, will we really hear them? This is what Jesus is asking in this verse. And if we look at the next verse, verse uh, 24, he's saying we should consider carefully what we hear because the measure with which we use will be the one measured to you and even more, and this sounds a little bit strange to our ears perhaps, Jesus is saying, you know, this, this, this way you measure uh, will be applied to you. And if we look at the next verse, it sounds a bit strange. It says, whoever will be given, whoever has will be given more and whoever does not have even what they have will be taken away. Well, if you don't have something, how can it be taken away? But Jesus is just emphasising the choices here, the way you hear, as to whether the little you've got is going to be expanded on or whether you're even going to somehow lose, uh, having heard something, lose even uh, uh, the, your response to that. And so I think in terms of uh, the overall message of the good news of Jesus and trusting in him for eternal life, uh, if you trust in Christ, you will have an abundant life. If you reject Christ, you won't just have your life, you'll lose your life itself. So I think we can tie all of, all of this uh, passage back to Jesus' opening statement about the kingdom of God. The kingdom has come near, and now Jesus has been explaining what the kingdom is like. And what is the kingdom like? Well, if I could put it a summary in three statements. Firstly, the kingdom expands, advances without human intervention. Secondly, starting small, the kingdom will end up large and significant. And thirdly, this good news of the kingdom is not to be suppressed, uh, but to be broadcast. Now, the communication strategy of Jesus was not to present information just in bald uh, propositions like that, but rather told stories, uh, telling stories with a, with a second meaning, the parables. So perhaps today he'd say something like this. Uh, a woman makes a short-form um, video of a dance move and uploads it on TikTok. Um, she goes to bed. When she wakes up the next day, she's got 100 followers. She goes to bed, doesn't do anything, goes to bed. The next day she wakes up and she's got 1,000 followers, all from one dance video. Or what shall we compare the kingdom with? It's like a woman who posted one video. Then she decided to do a challenge and a duet, and now she's a famous uh, major social media influencer. I mean, you don't um, take a, a cap video template, uh, edit it up just to leave it on your phone. Uh, you upload it onto a social media platform uh, so it's out there for the world to enjoy. 